The following presentation was recorded at the Newbury Buddhist Monastery, Victoria, Australia. Please visit our website at nbm.org.au. So, good morning and uh, welcome to um, another Dhamma talk from um, BSV Buddhist Society of Victoria. But the talks are given at the Newbury Buddhist Monastery yeah, due to the restriction. So um, I'd like to introduce myself. So my name is Bhante Chunda and I've been coming to support BSV and Newbury Buddhist Monastery yeah, for the last roughly five years. Yeah. So this is my sixth time here yeah, coming over to support Newbury Buddhist Monastery yeah, and also the VSC Buddhist Society of Victoria. So, um, to introduce myself, if anyone haven't know who I am, so I was born in Malaysia um, and left Malaysia and migrated to Australia when I was roughly 12. And uh, yeah, so I was basically just practicing meditation, uh, learning about Dharma practice up in the mines. I got very interested in uh, meditation and Dharma practice. So um, later on in life, I basically... Um, ordained as a monastic uh, with uh, with Ajahn Brown. So Ajahn Brown is 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 my preceptor. So I take Ajahn Brown as my teacher. So um, yeah. So I've been in role for roughly roughly just over ten years. Because uh, I've been been a novice for two years uh, before be- becoming a bhikkhu. So this year will be my ninth years as a bhikkhu, but eleven years as in, in role as a monastic. And any announcement? Um, so we do have an announcement from BSV from our president, and he says just for all our supporter to be patient and to keep safe and just wait um, patiently yeah, into the restrictions lift maybe sometime next week. Yeah. So once things are lifted, yeah, and de- depending on the the um, situation, yeah, then the, the monastery will slowly open up. Yeah. But at the moment, to keep everyone safe, uh, the restrictions are in place uh, until further notice from the government. Okay. Let's see what else. Um, okay. So we will just. So, so what I do is I'll give a um, a short chanting. I'm I'm not a, a big fan of chanting. Yeah, I need to practice some like, chanting more. Like, if I can chant longer. So I'll give a short chanting, then we will um, start the Dhamma talk. And at the end of the Dhamma talk, we'll open up for some questions from the uh, audience online. Yeah. Okay, so I'll just give a short Dhamma, um, chanting, then we start the Dhamma talk. Namo dasa bhagavatu ala tu sama samputisa. Namo dasa bhagavatu halatu sama samputisa. Namo dasa bhagavatu halatu sama samputisa. Okay, so um, today's topic, I'll probably talk about a few things. So um, this year is, is quite a um, special year for us. Um, the Bikus um, NBM 
month's project is just being completed uh, um, last month. Uh, so we are very glad and happy uh, to able to have a proper separation uh, from the, the monks area and the nuns area. Uh. So the monks and the nuns have our own area. Uh. So we, we it's always good to have a um, a a um, staying close in the same property but have a good separation uh, because due to our practice, I our precept uh, and also that's how we work work as a monastic uh, because the the bhikkhus and the bhikkhunis, we uh, practice slight, the same in Dharma practice meditation, but uh, how we live is, is quite different. So to have that separation or partition is very important in, in Dharma practice. Because during the Buddhist time, the, the bhikkhus and the bhikkhunis will stay close enough to support one another. So this year is very special because we, we managed to... Um, fully separate the community yeah? so the monks and the nuns have our own independent place to stay and practice uh, but we still support one another uh, in Dharma practice uh, and in work in the monastery yeah? so this year I'm very happy uh, to be back uh, and the monks have their own place to stay and practice I remember coming back here the first time uh, in 2015 uh, and that was a lot of work at Newbury Monastery uh, um, there wasn't a big community of monastic. I think there was only two monastic, past myself is three, yeah, and one trainee. Yeah. So at that, that time, I think 2015, now I first came over here, there was a lot of work, yeah, and so much duty. Yeah. So I came over mainly just to visit Newbury Buddhist Monastery and to help my friend, uh, Pante Jagger, yeah, that was here. Um, leading the community uh, and doing a lot of the project, uh, so he was just over, over doing too much work. Uh, so I decided to come and support him uh, and just give him a hand with this project. Uh. So that was about yeah five years ago. Uh, so time is moving very fast. But coming back this time, my sixth time, sixth time here, uh, um, seeing how the buildings are completed and um, staying the. When we got the approval to stay in the mon in the Kutisa, I pack up my stuff uh, and move straight down to the new Kutisa and spend the first night over there uh, a week ago. Uh, and it was so peaceful. Uh, I felt that it was more quiet. And you look out the window uh, and you see the forest. Uh, and you see the animals, you see the birds, you, you see the kangaroos, and you see the wombats. Uh, and you tend to have a sense of peace and calm. Uh, and basically being by yourself uh, um, in close to the forest. Uh. So that was a very special night for me, uh, staying in, in our own individual kutis. Uh. So then I realized, wow, we have really started to um, start building kutis for the monastic. Uh, but in order uh, to uh, develop our practice, uh, the monks and also the nuns, uh, they need to have that separation from one another so they have a lot um, time by themselves just to be away from one another and to settle the mind and to calm the, the senses so today's talk I will be talking about basically mindfulness and also developing samadhi because mindfulness and samadhi this goes hand in hand 
because without mindfulness, there, there won't be samadhi. And if there's no samadhi or karma, then the strong mindfulness will not arise in a practitioner's practice. Mm. Yeah, so at the moment, it's quite interesting yeah? because I look at the, the news, look at the report, and I see the world is pretty chaotic at the moment. So last year, we have the bushfire in Australia, and a lot of people was worried, quite concerned. Even we are, was quite worried and quite concerned here. But the bushfire did not affect Newbury Buddhist Monastery that much. It was quite away, quite far away, and in the east coast of Victoria. But there was a bit of concern here. So after the bushfire, then the coronavirus came about, and that was even a bigger problem whole, around the whole world. And now we have the latest thing, we have the protests around the world. So it's quite interesting, and that reminds myself why for monastic, why we ordain, why we slowly move away from the world, and why lay people, lay practitioners will come to the monastery to practice. It's just to basically just to get away from this is a problem and the stress and the worry of the world. Because when you look back over 2,000 years, there's always been conflict and um, drama. This is the way the world is. This is the nature of the world. And for all of us, sometimes we cannot escape that. We are drawn into it. And sometimes monasteries are built and they are established so for, for monastic to come in, to stay, to practice, and to develop, to devote their whole life to monastic practice, to slowly move away from the world. Because the world, from the Buddha say, the world is basically um, a nature, it's impermanent, things are always changing. Then it's dukkha, it's holding on to things, brings sufferings, suffering to every person's heart. Because we, we hold on to things, and when we lose it, we feel hurt. And when we want things, and we want to achieve and get it, and when we work very hard, we get it, we, we think we're happy, then things fall apart, then we lose it. So in the world, there's nothing sometimes worth holding on to too much. Yeah? And also, a nature. Those to, to, a nature is impermanent. Dukkha is suffering. Yeah? And, um, and anatta is non-self. So all this attachment is driven and, and um, driven to, to that idea of self because um, the attachment of the self is very strong. It attached to the five senses that goes out into the world. So if we think there is, if we have a strong um, self or ego or, 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 or I, then the attachment will become stronger within our mind. So in Buddhism, we have this concept of non-self. So if we look into our meditation, deep into our meditation, we calm the mind, we calm the senses, and we go in the deep um, samadhi or meditation, we realize the mind is just a process of, of attachment and clinging. Because our, our mind is goes out into the world through our five senses. 
So our five senses of sight, when we see something nice and lovely, our mind tends to go towards those objects. So our attachment comes from our, our mind faculty. And when we see something we don't like, then discontent or anger will rise in our heart. So that's how the mind faculties work. Same with the um, with the hearing. So when we hear nice music, sound, voices, our mind is inclined towards that. And when we hear something like um, argument, um, say maybe a chainsaw in the monastery, or people are checking a party next door, then we, we feel this should not happen. So um, anger or evil will arise in, in our hearing. Then we got smell. We smell a perfume or we smell something food like lunch during lunchtime. Then our, our, our smell faculties will say, oh, that's nice. When they start thinking about uh, what's happening, what they're cooking in the kitchen. Yep. So our mind would our mind would get drawn into that, and we walk outside, yeah, and we step into um, a warm bath pool, then we go, what's that bad smell? Jeez, that is terrible. <laughs> then we get um, repelled by the by the um, by the kangaroo pool or the warm bath pool or even the dog pool outside. Yeah. <laughs> then we got the sense of touch. So um, when we go into the our nice cooties in the room. The rooms are very nice. We've got floor heatings. All the cooties have floor heatings and the sangha have, have floor heatings too. And it's quite, it's quite nice. Uh. But I first came here, uh, we didn't have proper, proper, proper heating. Uh, and the rooms was basically quite damp and moldy. Uh, and it was very cold and freezing. Uh. And uh, at that time coming here, uh, the monastery was not getting a lot of support. Uh, we did have a bit of a debt problem. Uh, so um, we, we try and just, just um, cut down on, on heating uh, <laughs> and not to be a bit more frugal. Uh, yep. So, uh, yeah, so, yeah, so our sense of, of, of touch also thing to thing. So if we feel something nice, a warm room, then we would like to stay there longer. Uh, and if we go outside and it's very, very cold, uh, and one time, one time I was working outdoor, uh, and we left a bottle of water, uh, and uh, within one hour, uh, it turned to ice. Uh, I was going, wow, that's pretty cold. <laughs> so when it's really cold, we, we will come to, we'll, our mind will, will, our, will incline not to hang around outside. Yeah? So the, the, the light and this, this light yeah, through our senses, our sense of touch yeah, is, is quite strong in all human beings. Yeah? So we always look for comfort yeah, and move away from pain. Yeah? So the sense of touch, yeah? then we are the sense we have. So we have the, uh, the smell, the sight, the hearing and the touch, yeah. yep. And the last thing is the mind. The mind is basically the forerunner of everything. So um, that's why it's so important to always practice mindfulness to calm the mind and to always see and come, come back into our heart, our feeling and into our, our mind and beware of our conditioning, the, the conditioning of our heart, the ups, the down, the feeling. Because um, if we're not aware deep inside our heart and mind, and you don't aware of the conditioning of our heart, 
what is happening. Yeah, then we can be lost in greed, attachment, or anger, and that will drive the idea of self, of I, I'm better, I'm the best, I'm the worst, I'm hopeless, or I'm the same, I'm same as everyone. In Buddhism, we look deep into our mind, and we realize that through non-self, in calming the five senses, calming our thoughts, calming our feelings, making the mind still and very peaceful until the sense of I or self slowly fade away in the background until the mind is still when the mind is still and we realize all this idea of the self disappear and we understand the sense of peace, happiness and freedom what the Buddha realized through his, his enlightenment in deep meditation and his wisdom arise from a calm, still mind. So it's, so it's, it's one reason why this whole monastery is set up. It's in order to restrain our senses, restrain our unwholesome action by speech, by action and by thoughts. So action is, is, you see the world, people are just, just they are out of control. They cannot control the mind. So the mind takes them out to the world to get what they want, to feed the five senses. And sometimes they think that by getting what they want, it makes them happy. But sometimes it, it creates a lot of suffering, a lot of attachment to oneself and the other people. But in spiritual practice, it's the opposite. We develop wholesome qualities, uh, compassion, forgiveness, uh, loving kindness. And we create all those good qualities in, in, in our heart. Uh, so it leads to happiness to ourselves and other people. Uh, so basically it's just making good karma, making merit, uh, and avoiding making negative karma, uh, and avoiding developing wholesome and wholesome um, behavior uh, and deeds. Uh, so that way, we don't do anything to hurt other people uh, and to hurt ourselves. So basically, with special practice in Buddhism, is learning to live a very skillful life uh, and live a very happy life. Because uh, you look at the world now these days, it's just so much, um, uh, we say, issues and problems. Uh. So monastery is always there. Uh, just a sense of safe, safety, a sense of... Um, peace and quietness. So it's basically a refuge for um, for the monks and the nuns to stay in a safe place to practice, but also for a refuge for our lay, lay practitioner to come in here to stay in a safe place to um, to practice with the monastic. Yep. So I'm very glad to see that monastery is getting developed and moving forward. We have five kutis here. All the monks have their own kutis, and the the nuns will be moving down to the um, the old monks' quarters, uh, and those places that that those rooms have been upgraded, uh, so they're very comfortable uh, and quite warm. Uh, so it should be nice and quiet there for the nuns. Yeah, I'm, I'm very glad to see how things are developing, because in the beginning, yeah, there was a lot of hard work. Yeah. I remember I was working morning, 
afternoon and also sometimes in the evening. Yep. And it was quite cold those days uh, because we didn't have proper insulation in the rooms and proper heating. So um, it was a lot of hard work. And uh, I knew a new monastery uh, that was started uh, the first seven years. Uh, there's a lot of hard work uh, and very few monastics will want to come over. Uh, but now things have changed so much. Uh, and it's actually a very quiet place in Newbury Buddhist Monastery. Uh, especially up at the monks area uh, with, uh, with our individual kutis. Uh, yeah. uh, every time I go back to, the, to my kuti uh, and go into my room, uh, it's just very quiet and very peaceful. peaceful uh, and it's just comfortable enough uh, to, um, to have a quiet place to rest the mind uh, and to do the Dharma practice and meditation. Sometimes the rooms, I think, is too luxurious uh, because we have floor heating uh, and our own toilet and shower uh, and double glazed windows. Uh, so it's one of the best kuti I ever stay in. <laughs> because even the kutis in, in Bodhiyana Monastery, uh, it's not as comfortable as here. Uh, but one reason why we need comfortable kuti uh, is during winter, uh, we have snow, snow here. Uh, so if we build a kuti too simple uh, here, uh, then we, we might not have any monks coming here. Uh, because sometimes we have to bear in mind, uh, sometimes the the monks that have the most rains and um, 20 or 40 wasa rains, they are quite, they're in the 60s or even in the 80s. Uh, and they've been practicing for a long time and have the most wisdom, hopefully have the, the most wisdom. So we have to build really good, comfortable kutis. Uh, so in order for our older, more senior monastic to come and stay in comfortable kutis, uh, First for like young monks like myself, uh, I can basically tough it out. Uh. So, so that's one reason why I came here uh, um, five years ago, uh, just to help with the work uh, and just tough it out uh, and get the place built. Uh. So in order for the monastic uh, and for our uh, lay practitioner to come here, uh, and especially for the bhikkhunis to come here and have a com comfortable place to practice. Uh. So the Buddha say, in order to develop meditation, uh, um, for a monk or a nun, we should look for quiet places in the forest and under a foot of a tree or in a empty kutia. So in a quiet place. So when there's a quiet place, and it's easier to calm the mind. And also, basically, a monastery is an ideal place because we're away from just the busyness and the problem of big cities and from the cities and from the world, especially the world these days. Because in, in monastic practice, we are not there to gain more stuff, to have more money, or to be famous, or to be well-known. We are basically there to mainly just to calm the mind and develop samadhi. Because without samadhi, we cannot, um, we we'll say, able to... Um, stop the outflowing of the mind because the mind is basically like a monkey uh, from jumping from one thoughts to the next thoughts uh. so one thing I realized when I was a lay person uh, um, I found that my thoughts my feelings uh, was just all over the place uh. and the more I try and think the more I try and solve things uh, the more I got more and more confused uh. and it actually kept me up, um, up all night yeah, just thinking or worrying about things uh. Then later on, I came across Buddhist meditation, and Ajahn Brown was saying that if you can calm the mind down, and you can see a lot of the problems more clearly, and you can solve things more easily, 
So I said, that's interesting. So I practice that, I try. So when I practice and calm the mind down, then I realized a lot of the problems I was holding on to, basically, just basically, it was just slowly um, let go of for a moment. When you let go of things for a moment, you have a sense of peace. And when there's a sense of peace, you have a sense of freedom. Because when you hold on to things uh, that closer, then all you see is the problem. But you learn, learn to mentally let it go. Uh, then it's not a problem. It's only when you hold on to things, uh, then we hold on to the burden of life and responsibility uh, and problems. So it's quite important uh, in the monastery, you need a quiet place. Quiet place to practice, a quiet place to um, be alone by yourself. A monastery is set up to basically to do practice, to keep the precept. Because in the monastery, we keep the eight precept. For the monastic, we keep the 227 rules. For the bhikkhunis, they keep the 311 rules. So this precept, la, it's not a restraint, nah, but it's, it's a way to let go of our attachment. Nah. When we keep the precept, then that brings harmonies, harmony to the community. Yeah. So it brings, for a practi practitioner, nah, it brings a lot of um, comfort and ease uh, and harmony to the community. So every monastic uh, can practice without worry uh, or fear. Nah. The precepts are always there to aid in, in, in practice, to let go of our attachment and to develop our samadhi, our meditation practice. Yeah. Sometimes I like to just close my eye. Because sometimes I'm sitting in a empty room with only two other person here operating the the recording and the sound equipment. So I find sometimes easier to talk to a crowd and get their feedback. If there's no feedback, I'm basically just talking to myself. One thing that came on to my mind is if we can't let go of the world then we can bring it back in our mind, our heart and it can actually drive us quite um, we say it brings a lot of worry and stress and anxiety and that can lead to having a body that is quite tense. The reason why I say that is one of the first retreats I did in Malaysia. With, um, um, I went to Malaysia to visit my family for the first time after being a monastic for five years. And um, when I went over to Malaysia to KL, one of um, my friends 
that was a Buddhist monk that was staying in Bodhiyana. He was teaching a retreat down there in KL. And he asked me to um, just to help him out with the retreat. So I came and supported him with the retreat. And it's quite interesting. We have a lot of retreatants about, I can't remember the numbers, but it's about between 20 to 40 people that attended the weekend retreat from Friday to Sunday. So when the retreat started, a lot of people was we're doing guided meditation, we have walking meditation, and we have like this quiet time to sit in meditation, and we have Dharma teaching, we have question and answer. So when it comes to question and answer, we we have a lot of feedback from the retreatant um, on the retreat. And they say that one thing that came out was when they sit down and meditate, they have a lot of pain on the leg, uh, on the arms, in the back and we go okay it's, it's no not a problem just relax eh? and just hopefully when you relax the, the tension and the pain will go away from the body so the second day eh, of the retreat eh, the feedback was the same they still have more pain eh, and more tension from the body eh? and we asked why is that happening he said you can't relax and the retreat saying it's I try to relax, eh? but a lot of anger came out eh? in, 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 in within my mind eh? and it actually made my body very stiff, stiff eh? and very painful. Eh? And I asked the retreatant, so what happened? Eh? Why, why are you you're getting a lot of anger coming out? Eh? And the retreatant said, it's because at work, eh? I got in the argument with, with, um, with, with the people at work or we have people that's very difficult to work with or we have a boss from hell. So there's a reason why when they did the retreat, that feeling and that memory just keep on coming up in their mind. And when they close their eye, they get so angry that they cannot meditate. I go, okay, that's interesting. It's really funny. To me, it's really funny. Um, um, but I didn't try, to, try not to laugh. I said, okay, that's normal. Okay, so you need to practice more loving kindness. And... The retreatants say they can't practice loving kindness because um, every time uh, they can't forgive that person. I said, you have to forgive that person because if you don't forgive that person, you can't let go. You're carrying that hurt and anger in your heart and your mind and it is affecting your health. Please, please let it go. Yep. You're here to do a weekend retreat. Let go of the world, don't carry it in your heart. Yep. Dharma practice meditation is learning to let go. If we let go, we'll be happy and we'll be free. If we don't let go, we hold the worldly problem in our heart. Yep. This is one reason, even myself. I should not laugh eh? because when, when I was a lay person, eh? I used to get so angry at, at, um, at my friends, at, at people at work, even, even my family. Eh? Yeah, even my family. And, um, and I blame myself for not being good enough. Then I realized these are basic cause and condition. It's the way of the world. We can't do much about it. So we learn to look in 
we look inwards. We look into our heart and we look into our mind. We understand the hurt, the anger, the discontent. Then we learn to develop good qualities of compassion, kindness, and especially forgiveness. When we forgive other people, we forgive ourselves. And we forgive ourselves, then we are free. We don't have to be the, we don't have to be the best of the best. Uh. And if we make a mistake, yeah, we forgive ourselves. Yeah. That's why the the Buddhist concept of non-self uh, is very important. When a Buddhist monk is enlightened uh, during the Buddhist time, uh, then he will go and see the Buddha, Lord Buddha. And he will say things like, I'm not better, I'm not worse, I'm not the same. So the Buddha, Lord Buddha realized, okay, so that bhikkhus have be become fully enlightened because the sense of self is not there anymore. So same, same with um, Buddhist mon monastic here and our lay supporters coming here to practice and also practicing at home, we learn to let go of the sense of our hurt and eye to calm the mind down. We don't carry it in our heart. Then we can be free. If we carry the problem of the world in our heart, in our mind, then we will never be free. We understand it's just cause and condition. It's like the weather in Newbury. One day it will be nice and sunny. Then you go outside. Oh yeah, that's really nice. It's really nice weather here. Then the next day will be um, cloudy, full of fog, um, strong wind, windy, rainy, even snowing. Yep. Then we go outside. Okay, it's snowing. So it's no point. Feeling happy on this sunny day yeah? and getting negative and depressed uh, when, when, when the weather is really bad. We learn to develop uh, equanimity yeah? regardless of what's happening yeah? with the weather. This is the world. The Buddha say this is the eight worldly winds. So one thing with, with what's happening in the world, uh, for a, a Enlightened, ordinary, ordinary person, eh? even monastic, we have the same problem too. If if our, if we're not fully enlightened, eh? we still have attachment. Eh? We can be blown around the world eh? by the eight worldly winds. Eh? So the eight worldly winds are pacey, um, pleasure, pleasure, and pain, gain and loss. Blame and praise, fame and defame. So these are the eight worldly winds that blows people around and basically makes people happy and very sad, depressed, even to the point of suicide. So it's quite sad. So if we understand these eight worldly winds, so when things are bad, we learn to accept it, 
and know things will pass. This too will pass. And we have to be patient eh? and let things pass. Eh? And when things are, are good, it's good to enjoy it. Eh? But don't over-enjoy it too much. Eh? Because we know this will pass too. Eh? So that's why meditation is very important. First for a monastic and a practitioner, our true happiness eh, and peace eh, is keeping our precept, being a virtual person, developing the mind, the meditation, calm, peace, stillness, freedom. And, and once you calm the mind, we see the up and down of our feelings, our thoughts, our intention, our conditioning, then we realize these are just the condition of the mind. And we learn to develop all those wholesome qualities and we let go of the negative qualities. The more we develop wholesome qualities, that will uplift our heart and our mind. And if we develop um, deep meditation, then our mindfulness becomes stronger. It's like charging a battery. Yeah? I like to keep similes. Uh. So when I came back to um, Newbury Monastery, I went and checked the batteries. I checked the same. So we have one battery that was dead. Uh. So I think what happened with, with the battery yeah, was left uncharged for too long. Uh, so the battery died. So same with, with our mind. If we, uh, if we don't charge up the mind uh, with um, peace, stillness and samadhi, yeah, then we can overburn the mind and the mind can basically uh, fall into depression and anger. When we develop stillness, calm and peace, then the mind becomes bright and luminous and it slowly charges up. So with a bright, luminous mind, then the strength of samadhi will rise. That strength of samadhi is due to a calm, peaceful mind. When we have retreatants that stay here and practice for a few weeks, a few months, one of the things they say is their sense of sight becomes sharper, they can hear more, they can taste the food better, and somehow they can even feel things, more feelings on their hands and their touch. Yep. So it's just the energy of the mind is slowly elevate. Mm. And it's also good not to um, hold on to our, uh, our unwholesome qualities uh, too much uh, because on the retreat uh, and also some people that comes here when we notice uh, uh, they come in and they hold on to a lot of anger uh, and um, it does affect their health uh. so a lot of people Buddhism and especially meditation has become very, very popular uh, because there's a lot of um, benefit uh, for meditation uh. so some of the benefit uh, if if they, if they don't develop um, a um, a mind that's free from worry and stress uh, and anxiety, uh, and if it's if, it, if the mind inclines towards too much anger, uh, the it does affect affect the health. If there's too much anger, it weakens our liver, so we have like skin problems or rashes. We have a weak liver, and you have too much grief. It weakens our lung, so we have breathing problem, problem or shortness in breath. And if we have too much worry and stress, actually worry, worry will weaken our stomach. So we have a poor 
digestion system. Sometimes we find that people that have too much stress, they have a um, pain in the stomach and 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 a bit of diarrhea. And if it's too much stress, way too way too much stress, worrying and stressing all the time, then it basically can weaken the heart and the brain. And if if a person develops too much fear all the time, just fear of everything, it can basically weaken weaken our liver. So that's one one of the um, thing I read on the internet. So those unwholesome qualities, it's very important not to um, to get too attached to it. I used to worry and um, have a lot of anger, and it really affected my health a lot. I used to have quite a lot of anxiety where I can't sleep properly. My hand used to shake and tremble. And um, yeah, I was a bit sickly. So once I start doing a lot of meditation and developing loving kindness, I find that my headache just went away. I can sleep better. Um, yeah, and I feel great. Then I got really interested in, in meditation and I start coming to the monastery quite often in um, Bodhiyana Monastery when I was 23 and uh, I stay as a monastic for stay as a lay person practicing as a lay person for 11 years I was working up the mines but in my spare time I would spend a lot of time just by myself practicing and uh, just reading the suttas because it, it brought a lot of happiness to my heart so I, I told myself wow this is really good I really want to deepen my practice so I asked my mum and my mum said no you cannot practice you you have to basically um, support the family. Yeah? I made this failure. My parents raised me up yeah, since I was young, yeah? and when I was twenty three, yeah, I wanted to ordain as a monastic. So my parents said, "No, ten years." Okay, 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 mom, dad, I wait for ten years. Yeah? So after I wait for ten years, but I still go to um, Bodhiyana Monastery to practice yeah? uh, at least once or twice a year yeah, for two weeks or a month. Yeah? So. After 10 years, 11 years, I asked my parents again if I can ordain as monastic. My parents said, no, another 10 years. I go, oh, what? Another 10 years? Okay, if I wait another 10 years, would the answer be yes? And my, my parents made the mistake. They say, well, after 10 years, the answer is no again. I go, oh, that's not fair. So when can I ordain? And my parents say, not wait until they're not around when they pass away. I go, that's not that's not very fair. Le, because I might pass away yeah, before they do. Le. So I decided not to um, um, be obedient le, to my parents. Uh, become a bit of a rebel. Le, and just went out of the monastery yeah, to um, to become a trainee. I remember the day I left. Uh, my mom was a bit sad. And my little sister was just crying and bawling her eye out. Le. I thought, okay, no worries. Maybe I'll give it a try. Try for three years and see what happened. And if things don't work out, I come back. Yeah. But going to the monastery was quite difficult. It was a lot of work. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So it wasn't an easy time. Because when I arrived there, when I first arrived there to become my trainee, my trainee as Annie Garricola, there was seven trainees. I think three left. And 
two, two, two ordained, two ordained, and the other two are not sure where they went. And um, I was basically by, by myself in the kitchen for something like six months. Oh, that was a lot of work, especially in the big community of monastic. There was about um, 18 to 16 monastic there. So it was still quite a large community at Bodhiyana. So I had to do a lot of um, cooking, a lot of driving and, and a lot of extra work. So I don't mind doing that because I developed a positive attitude of giving and sharing and making good merit in the monastery. So I told myself I will serve the community for one and a half years before becoming a novice because as as a trainee you meant to um, serve the community yeah, for one year yeah, before ordaining as a novice because the, there were so few people in the kitchen yeah, not a lot of help yeah. so I decided to stay as a trainee longer as an Anigarika trainee yeah, for a year and a half yeah, until there's more and more um, trainees that came over and I wasn't required to um, to stay back in the kitchen yeah, and do driving and cooking and stuff then after that, I decided, okay, it's time for me to ordain as a novice. So I ordained as a novice. And um, yeah, that was pretty good. I mean, it was pretty tough. Eh? Yeah, but something that all practitioners have to learn to learn by be by yourself eh? in the forest. Learn to not be away from your friends, especially your family. Yeah? Yep. So a lot of giving up, a lot of letting go. Eh? So how we, how time we doing? Okay, we got at ten, ten eighteen, ten. What well, ten eighteen? So we still got a while. Yeah, going back to um, to the first retreat that I conducted in, in Malaysia, le. it was hard for those retreat retreatants to understand. So. The more we talk to them, the more guidance we give to them. When they managed to forgive what was happening at work or in the family, they develop a lot of peace. Later on, they say that that tension basically just become less and less and less. And when they sit and meditate, um, the tension from the body slowly become looser especially up up where we our shoulders and also especially in our back so it's very important to um, not hold on to too many negative thoughts and feelings because it does affect our body and our health the more we can let go the more we can let go the more we can make be kind be gentle make peace it's what Ajahn Brown's favorite um, saying: make, um, make, be, be kind, be gentle, make peace in our heart. Then the more we can move away from from ne- negative thoughts and feelings. Every moment, when we wake up, when we work, when we talk to one another. And we go back 
when we rest, when we meditate, when we sleep. If we develop kindness, compassion, gentleness, it becomes a part of one, one's character. Once we develop those wholesome qualities, or the Buddha nature in our heart, when we close our eye, when we sleep, we have nice dreams. We dream of flying. We dream of being up in the mountain. We dream of even meditating, meditating in the forest. And when samadhi is developed deeply in one's heart and one practice, then it becomes a part of one's dreams too. Because Ajahn Brahm was once talking about the dreams that he gets in Bodhiyana during the Vasa is quite interesting. Yeah? Yep. So Ajahn Brahm say he will dream of Nimitas and Janus in his dream. Yep. So it's quite interesting. Yeah? Yep. So Ajahn is, Ajahn is not trying to give a hint. Nah? So he used dreams. When you dream, this is basically a reflection of the mind. There was a monk in Bodhiyana who was working very hard. He went back to Bodhiyana and he stayed for the Vasa. And he, one of the dreams that came out um, when he was staying in the monastery for the Vasa was quite interesting. Yeah? He dreamt that he was um, up in the mountain. He walked up in the mountain and he found this monastery in the mountain. And he walked into the monastery, into the Dharma Hall. And he saw this Buddha statue with bright, bright ray of light coming out on the Buddha statue. Then he's going, wow, it's so bright and blissful and so still. Then he noticed he was wearing a amulet, a one of those amulet with a Buddhist image in the neck. And he noticed the bright light ray coming out from the image yeah. and he took out the image and looked into the into the the image the buddha image yeah, where this bright white ray was coming out yeah. and he, the more he looked yeah, he went into the the, the brightness of, of the light yeah. then he woke up yeah. woke up in that that meditating med uh, that we'll say that um, blissful dream mm. yeah. and he felt a, a sense of peace happiness and stillness uh, arising from from the dream mm. and that's, that's what, that was a really nice dream so if we do develop our practice daily, we have a quiet place to practice, to meditate. We develop it in our heart, in our mind, those wholesome qualities. Then it will become a part of our nature. Mm. Then it will come out in our dreams too. Mm. And if we develop negative thoughts and feelings, and fear, and worry and stress, and that will come out in our dreams too. So, um, our meditation is basically 
a reflection of our mind. So that's one reason why the monastery is here, is to basically practice, purify our mind, and develop those wholesome qualities. It's great this year, it would be a nice vasa. Probably one, might be one of the best vasa for the monastic here, because we have our own place, our own kuti. And due to the, due to the restriction, the monastery is very quiet. We don't get massive crowds coming in. So I remember a few years ago, we used to get up to 200 people coming here for lunch um, in the weekend. Jeez, and that was pretty noisy. But now we just have people drop in, drop off and go. So the monastery is very quiet. Okay, I think we have some requests for some questions. So we open up. Thank you, Bande Chunda, for the wonderful talk. We have one question so far. Please tell me how you learn to meditate over time when you are a lay person or a beginner. I need a lot of preparation to start meditation and I need an hour to be peaceful. Okay, mm, yeah. As a lay person, if we live a uh, very busy lifestyle, and if we are staying with, we we're working with people uh, um, that are not keeping the five precepts, uh, um, are very competitive, and can be very aggressive, uh, then it does take a while for the mind to calm down, uh, because we are still that those busyness is still lingering in the mind. So the best time to meditate, yeah, is and whenever you find that you're quite relaxed, if you even if you're not relaxed, eh, you just have to find find a quiet place to practice. Um, maybe in a quiet room, away from um, noise or distraction, if possible. Make sure your 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 phone is set on silent or um, turn off, eh, and. Um, if you sit down and meditation is it's about letting go it's not about trying to get get somewhere or make the mind um, peaceful it's not willpower it's basically learning to let things go and to relax the mind and body is the more we let go the more relaxed we we become so if you, if you sit down meditation on the cushion or on a chair and you find that your body is still very tense and your mind is still very active, then it's good to do some walking meditation. I find walking meditation is to, it's good to prepare the mind to sitting meditation. So walking meditation, if you haven't done it before, is you go to, out into the garden or in the hallway and you just walk back and forward. Yep, back and forward. And you, you bring your awareness down to your, your sole of your, your feet. And what you're aware of is your, your feet lifting, moving forward, and putting down. So you're aware of the sensation of the movement of your leg and the touching of the floor. So because that is more, more active, you bring your awareness down to just the sensation of touching, walking forward. Because the excess energy from the mind and body, it has to go somewhere. 
So it goes to the movement. So the more you walk back and forward, after a while, you find that your thoughts and the energy, the thoughts will slowly calm down and quiet. Then the energy of the body will slowly just just become lessened. Lessen. Because walking meditation is very good because it's very active. It tends to allow a lot of excess energy to basically just settle settle down and fade away when when because we have um, people that do walking meditation a lot they say after walking walking doing walking meditation back and forth after a while they feel like they're floating quite relaxed and floating yep. and when that happens and when the mind is calm and peaceful enough and the body is, is, is quite relaxed then you do sitting meditation when you do sitting meditation uh, if your mind can be calm and peaceful then it's good to um, stay with the uh, the breath of the with the the object of of the breathing, and but if you find if your mind is still very active, and your body is still very um, stiffer, then you do body scanning. You scan from the top of your head all the way down to your feet, and just relax any part of your body, and just relax, and just scan it, do body scanning, because as the in order for the mind to go deeper and to go stiller, the body had to relax as much as possible. As the body become relaxed, then the mind become relaxed. As the mind become more relaxed, then the body become more relaxed. Okay, I hope that was useful. Yes. Our second question. Please advise how one knows whether they are making progress with the practice. What milestones should we look for? Okay, um, everyone's practice is different. So we, we try not to um, measure or look for any um, improvement too much. Because sometimes when we look, it becomes another achievement. We look, it becomes another um we say another duty. What we look for is basically how we feel. Are we more calm? Are we more peaceful? Is is the negative um, qualities increasing or the or decreasing? Is our wholesome quality increasing or decreasing? So that's what we look for. We look for our mind. Are are we more happier? Are we more peaceful? Are we more calm? Or are we more angry, more frustrated, and more worried? So that's thing, that's thing, we don't look for it, we feel it. When we feel it, we know. So as those wholesome qualities are increasing, and we can um, sit with a calm mind, then we know things are, are improving. Because when I was the lay person, when I first started meditation, I got very good result, And I wanted it more. So it became another achievement. So... Instead of enjoying meditation or letting go, it become wanting. So for the first five years, I would sit down and go, okay, I'll sit, watch the breath, keep straight. Okay, sit for one hour. Then I'll, I'll do that for one hour. And if I'm not getting results, okay, another two hours. <laughs> after four hours. <laughs> and after that, I got, I got a headache, yeah? And uh, more, yeah, it, it felt like I did, I did not enjoy meditation anymore. Le. It was another achievement le, for me to do. Le. 
And plus, I was hanging out in the monastery yeah, as a layperson and reading books and listening to other monks yeah, saying, you must get this stage, you must develop nimittas, you must get absorption, you must get into jhanas. And after that, you have to try and become enlightened. And it's just become another achievement yeah, and another burden. <laughs> to the point I say, ah, look, I'm not interested in all these things anymore. The, the main reason why I became a Buddhist, practice meditation, is I want to be happy and free. That's, 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 that was that was true in my heart. Why, why I want to be happy? Why I want to do meditation? Because I want to feel good. Not feel good in the way of, um, in the world, worldly way, but feel happy inside, yeah? feel free from worries and worry and problems having a mind that's calm relaxed and wise with developing wisdom seeing the problem and harm in the world and just turning away yep so when you learn to um, be by yourself learn to have a quiet mind, learn to let things go, then you feel relaxed, then you feel your mind free from worry, then you feel happier. The sense of calm, stillness and peace is contentment, one of the highest happiness, happiness of the mind. So I just gave up in meditation, gave up in all this achievement. Then I just sit down and relax. Then I noticed my mind was calm and peaceful. Then the meditation slowly become deep. I understand what letting go was. Now this is happiness. Then meditation becomes not that hard, not difficult. So I learned to let go. Yeah. yeah. So in meditation, don't 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 have a goal. The goal is 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 learning to be free yeah? and to let go and just to relax. Just set, set simple goals. Don't set high goals. You set high goals, eh, you'll be very disappointed. Just, just set simple goals. Eh. You must remember eh, the concept of non-self. Eh. If there's an I, eh, you know, <laughs> there's my problem, eh, my responsibility, eh, my burden. Eh. Yep. If there's no I eh, and there's no me, eh, then you're free. Thank you. We have two more questions. Oh, okay. Yes, I'll, um, one is more about meditation while the other is not. Mm. So I will ask the one related to meditation first. Thank you, Bande. Sometime when I'm so relaxed, I fall asleep while, when meditating. Do you have any suggestions on how to deal with that? Thank you. Okay. Um, if we are tired le, from work and if we sit down and meditate, le, it's actually we will we'll fall asleep. It's quite normal le, um, because the, the energy of the mind is not there yet. Once the energy of the mind le, or the stillness is there, le, then the opposite will happen. You, you can sit, sit meditation le, and you get into good meditation. Le, sometimes you get so much energy. Le, and stillness from the mind, um, 
you, you can't sleep for the whole night, yeah. The mind is, is, is bright and alert, yeah. So you find that you're sleeping, yeah. Uh, then you could be quite tired, yeah. So if you're tired, yeah, sometimes it's good to just rest, sleep first. Um, then when you're well rested, yeah, and, and refresh, yeah, then go on with the meditation. Yeah. And also walking meditation is good. You find that you fall asleep quite often. Yeah. Do some walking meditation first. So when you do walking meditation, when you're, you're calm, you're more relaxed, the energy of the mindfulness is there, then come back to sitting, body scanning, yeah, and, and being aware of the breath, yeah, going in and out. Yeah. Uh, even myself, if I'm been working quite hard out there, yeah, if I go back to my room, yeah, um, if I sit and meditate, I fall asleep. Simple as that. Yeah. So what I do is, sometimes I have a nap in the afternoon for maybe one or two hours. <laughs> <laughs> then at night, yeah, I find that while I'm re relaxer, then I can sleep better. I can, I, my mind can go into meditation all, automatically, yeah. It becomes more easier. So you have to be quite sensitive to your mind and your body, yeah. And see if you're tired, naturally you'll fall asleep. It's just the conditioning, yeah, of, 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 of the body, yeah, and our mind. If we're tired, we, we've been thinking too much. Um, if we think too much, we'll, we'll, our mind will be, um, we'll have a slight headache, yeah? um, then we can't meditate. Yeah. If I think too much, I plan too much, or if I get into an argument with, 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 with my friends here, yeah? <laughs> then I find that I, it's, it's a little bit harder yeah, to, uh, to calm the mind down. Yeah? So sometimes those conditioning is, has to be there. That's why the precept is very important. When we keep the precept yeah, and we develop wholesome qualities, it helps the mind to become, um, um, to allow those conditions to, uh, to arise. Yeah. I mean, if, if you are a skillful, skillful med meditator yeah, and you develop good enough deep meditation yeah, and the meditation becomes a very um, a pleasant abiding yeah, and a very safe, comfortable place to go yeah, and for the mind to rest, then the mind will naturally go go into samadhi automatically. But in order to do that, you need many, many years of practice. Um, some lay people that I met have been practicing for many, many years, uh, where they can develop deep samadhi. Uh, what I mean by deep samadhi is the, the five senses shut down, and what, what you have is the mind. When you have the mind, uh, when the, the calm and the stillness is, is, is there, then the mind will become luminous and bright. When the mind becomes luminous and bright, uh, Spacey goes into um into the we'll say the samadhi factors arise of one pointedness, um of of pity, pity is, is the happiness and sukha is the calm. When those arise, the mind will just go into it. When it goes into it, it's a very um very peaceful, um nice abiding to be in. So if if you can develop those states, then the mind will go into that state automatically yeah? because it basically refreshes yeah? and recharge the, the, the mind. It's like the battery that's dulled, that's, that's completely flat. Yeah? You, you put the battery in the charger and you just charge it up. Yeah? <laughs> that's why you notice with people that have good meditation, yeah? um, they're very, um, say, they're quite alive. It's like they, it's not, it's not, the mindfulness is there yeah? and they're quite awake. Yeah? And their mind is very sharp. So sometimes for me, when I look at people, uh, if, if I see, like, they're all over the place, uh, and um, 
just when I look at their eye, you can tell le, if 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 they if they're practicing well. Le. It's just just how they how they um behave in the monastery and 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 how much not uh, restless energy, yeah, but the energy of just awareness uh, and calmness. When when you when you see when you meet those people, you go okay, they they're doing well in their practice. Uh. <laughs> people that complain a lot, like okay, their practice is maybe not not doing so well. Uh. <laughs> so uh, that's mainly in retreats. Uh. Uh, in the monastery, mm, sometimes, but we still get in the monastery developed. Uh. So it, it will take take a while, uh, but we're getting there. We're getting there. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Um, just one quick question before we go into the last question. For tomorrow's Monday night guided meditation, mm-hmm. is it guided by you? Yes, I'm. I'm really sorry. Yeah, so you have to put up with with me tomorrow again. <laughs> I I try and keep it simple. Um, yeah, it will be me giving the guided meditation, and um, yeah, so. It's good. I enjoy giving my guided meditation eh? because one of my one of my hobby eh? becoming a, a monastic was to practice, have more time to practice. Because I love doing meditation eh? when I a lay person, eh? so I thought when I ordain, I have more time to practice. Eh? I'm not really a um, a a scholar monk. I don't spend hours and hours reading books. Eh? I like working eh? and I like um, spending time by myself and practicing meditation. Eh? So my Meditation practice um, guidance is, is pretty basic, uh, basic. But it works. Uh. I mean, um, when I was in Malaysia, uh, I met some people that was basically dying, and they only got like few weeks or a month to live. And I was going, oh man, I'm just only a novice. Uh. Oh, I don't know how I can help them, uh. um, but I still remember what works for me. Uh. So, um, so I, I gave some guidance to them. And it was quite interesting, yeah. One of the, one of the feedback was um, one lady said that uh, she felt very peaceful uh, because uh, what I told her, uh, it works. And she learned to let go uh, instead of worrying too much. Uh. And when I left the, res- the retreat, uh, um, the feedback from the retreat, the retreat organizer was saying that she was quite a uh, angry and fault-finding person. Uh, but after the retreat, uh, she was very relaxed. Uh. And into the day she passed away. Yeah, yep. so mm, okay, that's interesting. Yeah, and an, another lady on the retreat, la, um, she had the best meditation, la, because on the retreat everyone was complaining about pain and anger with um with people at work or the family. Yeah, and this lady was basically got cancer twice, and the cancer was reoccurring. Yeah, and she asked me, what should she do? Should she, should she operate or she don't operate to remove the cancer? La? And I told her, you just have to make peace with your mind and be very gentle with your body. Yeah? And um, yeah, and I gave some um, guided meditation. And on that end of the retreat, uh, the feedback from her was quite interesting. Yeah? But she said that um, she can manage to um, drop the body yeah? and allow the body to disappear. When the body disappeared, uh, the mind was so calm. Uh, she noticed this radiant light that's arise from the mind. And and her mind just went into the light, yeah, and it felt so peaceful uh, and so free. And when he, when she came out from meditation, uh, came out from the the brightness of the mind, uh, she felt the body and she felt all the pain arise from the body. Yeah. So now she knows how to access um, deep meditation. And basically, that was her first time uh, 
um, doing the meditation and she was the only person with the best meditation. It's quite interesting. Even in, um, in the retreat center like in, um, in, in Perth, um, we have some people that come in uh, and the doctors say, look, there's nothing much you can do. Go back and um, get ready to die. <laughs> and sometimes uh, they, in the um, hospital, next the hospital in um, Armadale, we have a retreat class there. And a lot of the um, doctors will recommend the patient uh, to come to the uh, meditation class. Uh, and some of them actually got a lot of illness and they have also uh, terminal cancer uh, or sickness. Uh. So we give uh, meditation guidance uh, to them and sometimes we have very good results. Uh. Very few, very rare, uh, but we have cases where people's cancer basically stops spreading. Uh. And there's one person that has cancer all over his body yeah? and um, he's still alive after 10 years. I think he's still, I haven't seen him for a long time, yeah? but I think he's still going. Yeah? But um, yeah, the power of the mind is very powerful. If we can learn to let things go yeah? and, and let this body go, yeah? then it gives the body a chance to heal itself. Yeah? Thank you. Thank you. So remember to tune in tomorrow, 7.30 Melbourne time. And we have the last, very last question of the day. Thank you, Bandai. Please tell me your favorite story of rebirth. Rebirth. Okay. So this this is one of my favorite story. Yeah? I came across this on the internet. So um, it's it's quite an interesting story. Yeah? Uh, there was a a lady. She was in a minivan driving with her three kids, um, two, two girls and one little boy. Yeah. Uh, I, mem I can't remember the exact age. Yeah. One is 12, I think one is 9 and one is 4. It was in the back of, the, of a minivan on the highway or freeway yeah. and the truck got lost control yeah, and slammed behind them yeah. and um, three child got hurt really badly. Yeah. And I think one child um, didn't live long, eh? went to the hospital and died short, shortly. Eh? And the other two child, eh? uh, the second one only managed to hold on for another day. Eh? Then she she passed away. Eh? Then the, 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 the smallest child, I think was the son, uh, she bec he became brain, brain dead. Eh? And... Um, uh, a few few weeks later, the doctor said there's nothing they can do. Le. So the parents are quite sad. Le. and the, He was the only surviving child. Le. So the, the parents have to basically just give the, um, the okay to turn off the machine le, and, the, and the child will pass away. All three child just pass away. It was quite sad. The, the parents was very sad le, to, to lost all three child le, in, in a car accident. Le. But after a year, le, the the couple decide to um, start over again. It was quite painful. They, they're not sure they can go through um, the whole thing over again. But they say, okay, they'll try to, to start all over again. So the, the, the mom got pregnant and it was triplet. So um, after um, when they gave birth, it was quite interesting. It was basically two girls and one boy and when I look at the pictures they look quite similar <laughs> so it seems like um, all three child came back 
on the next birthday. The good thing about Chaola, kids say, is children do have a very pure mind, because the mind is not tainted by defilements or attachment. And when the child passes away, uh, their attachment to the, to the family, uh, to the mom and dad is very strong. And naturally, they will take rebirth uh, in the same family again. We have a uh, supporter in Bodhiana that the, the son passed away uh, with a um, lung, lung problem uh, at the age of 12. And um, after that, um, the family gave birth to, to another child. Uh, but the child was quite young, so um, they took him to the hospital to have a checkup case, and he got the same lung problem again. But they managed to um, um, treat the the illness early on, so so that that child is quite healthy now. So yeah, staying in the monastery, yeah, when you meet supporters, sometimes you do hear sad stories, but later on you found that they get. The, the kids do come back, yeah. so it's quite naturally. Yeah, kids usually come back to the same family. So these are the two um, rebirth stories yeah, that I, I like to share with people. Yeah. Thank you. And it's quite interesting. Yeah. Sometimes when you have kids here, kids come here to stay, and they 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 come here for lunch and for Buddhist monk. It's very hard to um, talk to kids. Yeah. So one of my favorite stories that I like to tell kids yeah, to do with the world. So it's fear of dharma dharma. Um, 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 say a bit of dharma for the kids to understand. Uh, kids dharma. Uh, is I always tell a story of of the um, the scorpion and the um, and the tortoise. So one time there was a um, scorpion walking up and down on on the river side, yeah, back and forward, back and forward. Uh, and the um, the tortoise was walking by and he saw this scorpion walking back and forward, so worried. Yeah, and the tortoise asked the scorpion. What are you doing? Are you walking around looking for something? May I help you? And the and the scorpion is saying that oh I'm, I I need to go to the other shore because I need to cross over and and the, the tortoise asks oh if you if I I can take you over but promise that you you will not sting me, sting me yeah because you are a scorpion you're very dangerous yeah? you can kill me with one one sting yeah. Then the scorpion said, "No, no, uh, it's, it's okay. I'm, I'm your friend. Uh, you take me over. I promise. I cross my heart. I will not sting you. Uh, I promise." And the, and the um, the uh, tortoise said, "No problem. If that's what you promise. I believe you. Please jump, jump on my back." And and the scorpion jumped on the back of the tortoise and it, and it swam across the river. Uh, halfway through the river, uh, the um, tortoise felt a, a very sharp, painful sting in his back of his neck. It's uh, going ah. What's that? And he looked, and he, sh he shouted in pain uh, to the scorpion. Uh, he said, why did you sting me? Didn't you promise you're not going to sting me? And the, and the scorpion said, yes, I did promise not to sting you. Uh, but it's in my nature. Uh, I can't help myself. Uh, when I'm close to something, yeah, I, I just feel like I, I have to sting it. Uh. So, um, so the, the tortoise got poisoned uh, and he and he, he drowned uh, and same with the um, scorpion, they drowned together in the river. Uh. So that's one of the stories I, I like to tell kids uh, because you see kids, they, they, they like to play games uh, and they're not into Dharma practice. Uh. <laughs> so I, I tell these stories uh, to the kids to just remind them uh, to um, when they're out in the world, um, just to be careful uh, of, of people uh, 
because not everyone is giving the right precept. Lah. And because of the conditioning of people's mind, lah, due to greed, hatred, lah, and delusion, lah, or ego, lah, or self, lah, um, people are out of control. They, they can't see the, the hurt in their heart lah, and in the mind. Lah. And sometimes um, they just is fueled by the craving and desire. Lah. Sometimes they just do things. Lah. That's why there's so much problem in the world. Lah. But as for Buddhists, lah, we, we develop those qualities. We look deep into our heart, lah, into our mind, lah, and de- develop those wholesome qualities. Lah. Okay, so hopefully that's a nice little story. So sorry if um, I wasn't clear, lah, because I'm not really a uh, Dharma speaker. Lah. I, I normally just like to stay in the monastery and help to get work done and get place built. Lah. So please forgive me yeah, if I say anything wrong by body's body special mind. Thank you. Okay, let's see. I think that's it. Lah. I don't think there's any more um, questions. Is there any more questions? Okay, so now we pay respect to the Buddha Dharma Sankara. Lah. 